message is from Family Worship Center. This message will not only build your life, but will make you experience the transforming love of God. Open up your heart and be blessed. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Did you come with your Bibles this morning? Let's get into the Word of God. Hallelujah. Today we are about to begin something that is very, very powerful, yet very complicated, very, very complicated, very complicated. And so I ask that you pray for me, that God will speak through me, none of me, all of him. I've not had butterflies like this for a very long time, for a very long time, but God is good. Mama is in the house, so whatever I can't fix, microphone is with her. She has a microphone. She'll come and fix it. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Open to Malachi chapter 2, verse 13, and Matthew 19, verse 3. We are continuing with our marriage and family. Marriage and family. Last week, God helps us. We did Christian parenting, purposeful Christian parenting. Today we are going to be talking on divorce. So you see why I have butterflies. Divorce. 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 We want to welcome all our churches, all the pastors. Thank you for all the great work. The Lord bless all our churches. The Lord bless all our pastors. In Jesus' name. Malachi chapter 2, I begin from verse 3. And this is the second thing you do. That means there was something else you were doing. This one is the second one. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying. So he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the spirit? And why one? He seeks godly offspring. The version we read last week said, what does he want from the marriage? And the answer was, he wants godly children. It's the same thing here now, godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none, somebody say none, no. deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. And last week I told you that because of the setting of this scripture, the male was dominant or the man was dominant. For us is let her, let him not deal treacherously with their spouse. Do you get it? Husband, don't deal treacherously with your wife. Wife, don't deal treacherously. treacherously. <laughs> There's an anointing on my head. <laughs> but you get it. This was a setting of male dominance. So the men were the ones doing. In our own time now, both are doing. And so it refers to both. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. He hates divorce. And just by making this statement, now certain theologians here now are uneasy. But don't worry, just wait for me. 
Just wait for me. For it covers one's garment with violence. Divorce covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Not Pastor Sarah. The Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. So he's talking about everybody now. Dealing treacherously, deceitfully, unfaithfully, meanly. Matthew 19.3. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him, and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning, at the beginning, tell somebody the beginning is important. Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, not what pastor has joined together, not what deacon has joined together, not what the priest has joined together, not what the chaplain at the marriage registry has joined together, what God has joined together, let no man separate. And so there came and said, and I'll give you the background. Let me give you the background quickly. From the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 24, because of the issues going around all over the place. Now, for warning, we are not rushing. Pastor said we shouldn't rush. We are not rushing. So you are going to be patient. Do you understand? So from Deuteronomy 24, there was crisis all over the place. Remember, it was a male-dominant system. And so, because of what was happening, a law was given. And the law says, if a man marries, takes a wife. Deuteronomy 24, 1 to 3. If a man takes a wife and finds anything indecent in the wife, very ambiguous, indecent in the wife, then you are free to give her a certificate of divorcement or a bill of divorce and send her away. We'll talk about the send her away later too. And then he says, if another man finds that woman, so it's men, 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 men. If another man finds that woman that has been sent away and marries her, if he detests her, then he can send her away again. Just send her away. Just give her a bill of divorcement and send her away. However, because he has tested another man, he can't go back to the first husband again. But he can go on and marry and keep marrying. But all of this is men deciding. I don't want you, go. I don't want you, go. So there were issues. A lot of issues. This was before the exile that this was happening. So you marry, you will now define what is indecent and use it to send her away. 
So two schools of thoughts came up. The school of Shaman, the school of Hillel, they came up. The school of Shaman went to the extreme. You cannot divorce your wife on no ground, extreme. The school of Hillel said, whatever it is indecent, even if you oversalt the food, or you come back home, you don't like the sketch she's wearing, you define what is indecent. So there was issue there. So this crisis continued, continued. Then they went into exile, pastor. By the time they arrived in exile, they discovered that in exile, they needed connections. You can't get a job. You can't make money unless you are connected to the leaders of the foreign land. So they began to chase away their wife and marry <laughs> for connections, for personal gain. Just find a reason and sack her. And then marry somebody who is connected maybe to the DPO in the foreign land. That gives you connection. And the wickedness kept increasing and kept increasing and kept increasing. So God raised Malachi, uh, Nehemiah, and Ezra to, began to, to begin to prophesy. And that is where this came from. So by the time God was saying, I hate divorce, he was speaking to something that had been happening and was getting worse. And so 400 years later, Jesus appears. By that time, the confusion was heavy. So the Pharisees, they see very far, but they are very wicked people. <laughs> they now came to Jesus. Get how, see how it was put? They came to test him. Their plan always was to set Jesus against Moses. They always want to look for a way to put Jesus against Moses so that they can say, you see, we told you this man is a troublemaker. So they came to test him with a question. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? Jesus didn't say, I'm on this side or I'm on this side. He took them to the original plan. The original plan. And in the process, he defined marriage. In the beginning, have you not read that in the beginning, he made them man and woman, male and female. A man leaves his father, mother, is joined to his wife. The two become one flesh, not the three, not the four. Because all of this, by the time it was corrupted, they were having five wives. Anyone you find anything in this and you send them away. By the time he got to Solomon, he now got 700. <laughs> Are you seeing the corruption? And so Jesus, the son of God, the truth, came to take us back to the truth. So he took us back to the beginning and told them that the original plan of God is for one man, male man. One man, male man, to leave his father and mother and be joined to one woman, female woman. In a covenant loving relationship that is supposed to be permanent forever. God didn't give anybody permission to separate them, except when one dies and goes home to be with the Lord. So that is the background. Are you with me now? So they said to him, so why then did Moses command 
to give a certificate of divorce. They are always looking for how to pitch him against Moses. Then he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness, the hardness of your hearts permitted you to divorce your wife. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I said to you, whoever divorces his wife, except, except, underline the except there, for sexual immorality, that means he hates divorce, he hates divorce, but under certain circumstances, which you are just seeing one now, then the man or the woman is permitted to divorce, divorce. Except for sexual immorality, and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. But you can see because the law was still hanging around, everything is about the man, about the man, about the man, about the man. But in the beginning, it's male and female. In the marriage, you didn't make one superior to the other. The husband is not superior to the wife. The wife is not superior to the husband. However, because you can't have two heads in one system, he made the man the head for leadership, not for dictatorship. For leadership. For leadership. For leadership. Listen to this verse 10. <laughs> his disciples said to him, if such is the case of the man and his wife, it is better not to marry. <laughs> This thing has so entered them that all of them enjoy it. Just go and pick one. Look for one something in this and send her away. So they were used to it. So by the time he said this, they say, ERV, if you have the ERV, give me this part. They, they say, if this is the only reason for divorce, then we, are, we can't marry. <laughs> we should. Can you see that? When corruption starts and is allowed to grow, it becomes monstrous. So they say, if it's like that, then we shouldn't marry. So Jesus now said, ah. but he said to them, all cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. And he began to talk about eunuchs, some have been made eunuchs, some made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of God. Now, we are not going to rush this, we are starting. Divorce is such an emotional, painful topic that most times church leaders avoid it. And in the process, we have allowed wrong teachings from the past to bring wickedness on the church and allow wickedness to continue. But as a church that believes in the truth, we will teach the truth by the authority of Jesus. By the authority of Jesus. So I ask that you be patient with us. Keep away your culture. Keep away your knowledge, your professional opinions. Keep them somewhere. Your traditional and cultural opinions, keep them somewhere. I encourage you to open your heart. Be open. Because we are going to look at scriptures and look at scriptures and look at scriptures and look at scriptures. And then at the end of the day, you will see what God wants us to do in the case of divorce. Be patient with us. Why are we talking about divorce? Because the Bible talks about it. So we are talking about it. Why are we talking about divorce? Because divorce issues are real. Every one of us here sitting down right under the sound of my voice right now, you either know somebody who is going through a divorce or who is considering a divorce or you yourself 
considering it or, or you are in it. Why are we teaching it? It has become a recurrent issue, even in our own local church. On my table right now, I have at least four papers that has to do with divorce. Why are we teaching about it? If the church does not speak the truth about it, the world will keep perpetrating lies and deceiving many. And because of that, the church must answer. The Bible says the people should go to the priest, to the priest, to get the right answer. And thank God you are in church today. Why are we talking about it? It has become a plague. It is an epidemic, a pandemic, a pestilence. Why are we talking about it? We are family worship center. We care for the family. We care for the family. We care for the family. So what is marriage? And what is God's original plan for marriage? I have defined it. Marriage, according to God's original intention, which is still what it is, is that a man, a male man, leaves his father and mother, is joined to a woman, a female woman. The two come into a covenant of love for the rest of their lives. It is a covenant. And from what we have read, God himself is involved in this covenant. And at the end of the day, it is God that makes them man and woman. Do you understand that? What is God's intention? His intention is that it should be loving, a loving union, a loving union that shows the spouse and the children that will come the character of God. And it is supposed to be permanent. It is supposed to be permanent. God's ideal intention is that marriages be permanent. It is a sacred, solemn union. Praise the Lord. What does the Bible say about marriage and divorce? Before I get into this, let me say something so that some people can calm down. We, especially Africans... Our culture, and even some of us pastors trying to encourage, our motive is to encourage, honestly, trust us, have put pressure on people to make them believe that if you are not married, you are not complete. It is not true. You don't have to be married to be complete. You are complete in Christ. You are complete in Christ. Marriage is not one of the requirements to get to heaven. It's not. It's not. And so we apologize for not communicating our encouragement properly and making it look like we're putting you under pressure. And the pressure pushed some people into a marriage that they did not sit down to count the cost. So it is not a sin to be single. While you are single, serve the Lord. Born for the Lord. Be spent for the Lord. Give him all of your love, everything you have. But know that you are complete in Christ. So let me go now. What does God Say about marriage and divorce. Number one, God hates divorce. He will not change his mind about that. 
And I'll explain the hate. He hates it. When you hate something, it means you don't like it. You really, really don't like it. He doesn't like it. It was not in his original design. He didn't plan for it. But mind you, he didn't plan for since sin came. And then he brought a remedy. Same thing with marriage. Even though there was no plan for divorce, in his word we will see remedy. Glory to God. So God hates divorce. Church, let's say it together. God hates divorce. Now, God hates divorce is not a statement made to women only. It's a statement made to both men and women. So men, hear me. God hates divorce. Women, God hates divorce. Because what we have done is to use this to slap the women. God hates divorce. Go and sit down there. That's not what God is saying. He was speaking to a situation. And if you look at that situation in context, by the way, by the way, never you interpret scriptures without giving attention to the pretext, to the text, and to the post-text. And then taking all of it and putting it in the historical setting. Yes, one law of uh, interpretation is literal. But even as you try to literally interpret, it must be pretext, text, post-text. Take all of it, put it in the setting. In this setting, God was rebuking priests and men. But in our setting, it's for everybody. God hates divorce. Why? Divorce is a mockery of the covenant that he has established. Divorce is a mockery of the covenant of marriage. Divorce is a mockery of God himself who established the marriage institution and who is a witness. So God hates it. God hates it. And if God is the one who designed marriages, can we allow him to be the one to define it? Let's allow him to be the one to define it. Every time a divorce happens, it masks the picture of God's covenant with us. Number two, divorce covers the garment with violence. What does this mean? The newer translation says, divorce will overwhelm your spouse with cruelty. Overwhelm your spouse with cruelty. Divorce is a tearing apart. It's injuring. It's wounding. It overwhelms the other person with cruelty. It overwhelms the husband with cruelty. It overwhelms the wife with cruelty. That is what the Bible says. It's a lot of pain. A lot of pain. Dr. Miles Monroe, blessed memory, says that divorce is worse than death. The pain of divorce is worse than death. If you lose a loved one, you mourn for a period. You do funeral service. You bury. Right from the cemetery, a closure comes. You begin to heal. But when you divorce, the wound is ever fresh. The wound is ever fresh. It's as if your spouse is dead to you, but not buried. You run into them in church. You run into them in school playground. The children, if children are involved, are doing a party. Both of you will have to come. I've gone to weddings where divorced parents come to the wedding and you can feel the pain. It overwhelms with cruelty. 
It overwhelms with cruelty. What did the Bible say? The Bible says God's interest, one of his interests, is that he wants godly children. Divorce impacts negatively on that. Divorce impacts negatively on that. It takes generally the goodness and the mercy and the personal intervention of God in divorce homes to help raise the children. Statistics have it that roughly twice that divorce, children from divorced parent homes are twice as likely to be poor, have children outside of marriage, have issues psychologically, academically, and even health problems. They are prone to accidents, they are prone to injuries, all kinds of things, emotional, psychological problems, except God intervenes. So even the desire of God to have godly children is tampered with because of divorce. Divorce is man's invention. Moses gave the permission because Moses was a man. God wouldn't have. God would have told them, if you change, we will fix it. And then give them the grace. But Moses couldn't handle what was happening. Let me tell you what was happening. Because it was only death that frees them, some men began to kill their wives. She be the same, now only when one person die, I go feel married. So you find a way and kill them. Let me use modern example. You buy a car for her, you tamper with the brakes. <laughs> and send her to Guagualada. And then on her way. That's the modern one. That's how they do it, modern way. So the heart of man is desperately wicked, except the man allows the love of God to come in and do it. So divorce is man's invention. Now listen carefully to this one. Don't misunderstand it. I say be patient. Even though God hates divorce, not all divorce or divorces are sinful. Even though God hates it, there are certain circumstances that God will breathe a sigh of relief <laughs> if the people divorce. It will be paining him that they are divorcing, but he'll be happy that at least they have their lives. Didn't he say that if your right eye, your left eye causes you to sin, gorge it out? So even though God hate divorce and will continue to hate divorce, and divorce is very painful to him, there are certain divorces that God will say, hmm. What do we say about marriage and divorce? There is no marriage that can work and because it is sustained by just one of the two. No, it requires both commitment. Both. Both. The husband must be committed to the success of the marriage. The wife must be The two of them must be committed. But let me tell you the truth. And don't get angry with me. Don't get angry with me. God will lean more on blaming the man for the failure of the marriage. Some of you will start writing us now. Family Worship Center supports women. It's the Bible. It's the Bible. The marriage cannot work without the commitment of both. But God will always hold the man responsible. Why? He made him the leader. He made him the leader. Why are we blaming our leaders? Because they are leaders. 
We all are contributing, but we don't talk about ourselves. We blame the leaders. We blame the leaders. See time. Our first option must never be divorced if you are a child of God. Your first option must never be to divorce. Why? Because God already told you his perfect will. He hates it. He hates it. Divorce must become the last option after you have in the multitude of counsel done everything. It will be obvious that this cannot work. And it is not a decision to make a loan. It is not a decision to make a loan. It is not a decision to make in a hurry. And it is not a decision to make in lust. Let me come again. Divorce should not, must not be your immediate option. It should be your last resort. After you have consulted with a multitude of wise counsel, carrying your church and your families, sincere families, along. In carrying families along, you must be careful because they easily take sides. They can become biased. They'll be blindsided. So you take a multitude of counselors, trustworthy counselors. Until then, don't think divorce. Don't think it in a hurry. Don't think it in lust. If you're having issues with your spouse and somebody is eyeing you or you are beginning to like somebody, that is not the time to decide for divorce. Because somebody, an external party is feeling your emotional tank. Your decisions are not correct. It's corrupt. It's corrupt. It's corrupt. And so when you're having issues with your spouse, avoid getting close to another opposite sex. He listens to me. He gives me his... <laughs> no, no. In that state, you will not hear God. You will not hear God. Because all the enemy will be showing you is, look at him. Look at how straight his mustache is. This one that doesn't respect you, he's been rubbing spirit. Even no mustache has even come out. <laughs> number what? Forget the number. At the heart, at the heart, this is the master of truth, the truth himself. At the heart, at the heart of every divorce is hardness of heart. At the heart of every divorce is hardness of heart. Whenever there is a divorce, somewhere, look carefully, between the two people involved in that marriage, there is hardness of heart. Either in one or in both. But there is there, if you look, compulsory, hardness of heart is there. So what is hardness of heart? Hardness of heart is an attitude of stubbornness or a stubborn attitude that leads one to reject God's will. It's a collection of many things. I'll break it down. The hardness of heart is a stubborn attitude 
that one develops over a period of time that brings them to where they easily reject the will of God. Our heart is the location of our intellectual powers. Our heart is the seat of our emotions. Our heart is the seat of our will. So hardness of heart is when you make that attitude, you develop a attitude that you have come to a place where it's easy, it's easy for you to reject the will of God. So they are telling you, but what about the children? I don't care. You don't care? That is a generation. You don't care? What about this? I don't care. Okay, what about what goes to hell with what God says? Hardness of heart has come in. So at the heart of every divorce is hardness of heart. The lack or the inability to perceive God, insensitivity to sin, your conscience is seared, you are easily offended, resentful, inability to forgive, indifference to the word of God. Hardness of heart has entered. Hardness of heart has entered. And so, when we say divorce, divorce is actually the breaking of covenant. That's the definition. The breaking of the marriage covenant. It is not the paper. It is not the paper that the law officer gives. It is not the paper that the judge gives. Divorce begins when you begin to break the covenant between you and your spouse. Begins by neglecting the commands to you. There are commands to the husband. There are commands to the wife. God didn't give us an institution without a manual. He said as you go into this institution this is what the man should do. This is what the woman should do. Divorce begins when you begin to neglect those instructions and you begin to abuse the gift of the spouse. It is not when the paper has been given to you. So you can be in the same house. You are already divorced. The papers have not come. God hates it still. It's not when the paper comes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Now, having said all of this, God hates divorce. Will continue to hate divorce. But are there circumstances that God will permit divorce? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Doesn't God hate sin? Are some people sinning? Does he forgive? Has he thrown them away? So even though God hates divorce and will continue to hate divorce, under certain conditions, God will permit divorce for the safety of those involved, for the blessing of those involved, for the blessing of the church. Glory to God. Not that he likes it. He will never like divorce. And so Jesus said, except this is given to you, you are not supposed to marry. So that brings me to my point. 
though marriage is very, very, very good, not everyone can marry. Therefore, not everyone should marry. So you stay away. You stay away from the complications. When we come back next, we're going to look at it. The apostles say, in fact, I don't want to put a load on you, but I would rather you be like me. Because the man has concern for the things of his wife. The woman has concern for the things of his children. But people like us, all we do is God. So marriage is not for those who just wish to marry. Marriage is not for those who just desire to marry. Marriage is not for those who just want to belong. Marriage is not for those who are under pressure to marry. Marriage is for those who have sat down, count the cost, and say, I will do the covenant. Then you enter into it with your eyes open. Somebody give God praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, we are not touching the grounds for divorce today. We just came to do a background work. God hates divorce. He will continue to hate divorce. Marriage is very good. But not everybody can do the requirements of marriage. If you check yourself, you can't do it. Don't go in. So you avoid the pain and you avoid all these complications. All these complications. Every time there is a divorce, the name of the Lord is shamed. Evangelism is hard in that area. So these are all the things that we must consider. But in case it has gotten to where you are already divorced, you are already divorced, hear me and hear me loud. God hates divorce, but God does not hate the divorcee. In case you are already divorced, don't allow the enemy to kill you with guilt. Even if you were the reason, repent and receive forgiveness and propose that going forward, I will do what is right. Stand on your feet. Let's give God praise this morning. Let's give God praise this morning. Glory to God Almighty. Can we just pray? Can we just pray? Somebody say, why does God hate divorce? He was one time divorced. He knows the pain of divorce. At one time, God himself was divorced. <laughs> he was a divorced God at one time. He actually gave a certificate. Go and read Jeremiah. He said, I gave them the certificate of divorce. But he had to forgive them down the road. Can we just pray? Can we receive the word? Somebody will say, this does not concern me. No, if you are a child of God, God, you are also a minister of the gospel. God will use you to minister to people. That's why this is important. Father, we give you praise. We give you honor. We give you adoration. We thank you for speaking to us this morning. Thank you for speaking to us this morning. Thank you for speaking to us this morning. Father, in this auditorium, there may be people going through a divorce. People considering a divorce. People already divorced. You know every one of us. I ask that you touch everyone at the point of their need right now. We ask for healing. We ask for comfort. We ask for your wisdom. 
We ask for your wisdom. We ask for your wisdom. We come against guilt in the name of Jesus. Yes, godly sorrow, yes, but not guilt, not tormenting guilt. Godly sorrow, yes. Godly sorrow that leads to repentance, yes, but not tormenting guilt. Spirit of the living God, move from aisle to aisle, seat to seat. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts. We praise you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. Do different things for different one of us as this matter is concerned. And take all the glory. In Jesus' name. You may please be seated. Thank you for listening to this message. You will be blessed when you do the things that you have heard. You can make a brand new start in life by becoming a child of God. It's as easy as believing in your heart as you say the following prayer. Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. Jesus, come into my heart today and be my Lord and Savior. I declare right now that I am born again. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations if you just said that prayer. It is important that you join a Bible-believing church immediately so that you grow in knowing Christ. We would love to have you visit our church in Abuja, Nigeria. For more information about this ministry, you can visit our website at www.fwcabuja.org. God bless you. Family Worship Center. We care.